you are sick of oppressive religious systems but are not willing to let go of faith altogether, this podcast is for you. In this show, we hear from inspirational people tackling real issues of faith that actually matter in this world. Welcome to Jesus Never Ran. The church is wrong to argue that the Bible justifies any sort of discrimination, oppression, marginalization of those who are not straight. Well, the reason why you ain't got no black folks in your congregation is because we don't show up to places where we're not welcome, and we know we're not welcome based off the conversations you demand that we don't have because of the questions you insist on us not asking because of the answers you don't want to live. And the idea that the best being in the universe can't come up with a better solution to the problems of the universe than to torture people forever, eternally. You just start thinking, if that's as good as God is, this is a pretty depressing universe. Hey, before we get going, a couple of words from our sponsors, Rise Nutrition. You can find them at Rise Menominee on Facebook. That's Rise with a Z. And they're all about a healthier, happier life. So let their wellness coaches give you the personal support to help you achieve your wellness goals. After all, that is their mission. And here's the thing, just for Jesus Never Ran listeners, if you go to their Facebook page, you can message them and get a free wellness profile. That's a 20-minute phone conversation, absolutely free for Jesus Never Ran listeners. So check them out today. Also, Infinity Beverages at www.infinitybeverages.com. They will deliver anything you need right to your door. And don't forget that Thursday is buy one, get one for club members if you're in the Eau Claire, Wisconsin area. That's Infinity Beverages at www.infinitybeverages.com. All right, friends. Well, we are, when this podcast airs, we are just a mere one week, less than a week from the presidential election. So, of course, we have to talk about politics on Jesus Never Ran this week, whether you love it or you hate it. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure if you're like me, you're getting a little tired of all of it. You're getting tired of being in so many conversations about the election. So, it's coming to a close, but that will not be the end of the conversation. And here's the reality. I've heard and I've talked with firsthand people who, because of their faith, are going to vote Republican. I've also spoken to people who, because of their faith, are going to vote Democrat. I've also heard people who, because of their faith, are going to vote third party. And I've heard of people, I've talked to people who, because of their faith, are planning not to vote this year. All of them with very valid and relevant reasonings for their decision. So I'm not going to take the time to share with you how I plan to vote. I don't think that's helpful. I want you to, as a grown adult, to be able to make that decision on your own. But I don't hold that over my guests. And this week we have Shane Claiborne on the show again. He was on last week talking about gun violence, talking about the death penalty. If you missed it, oh my goodness, such a great episode. But he's going to share his thoughts on politics. And I will just let you know that he will share with you very opinionated ideas and thoughts about who he believes is the right candidate this year. You can take that or leave it, but let me just tell you, he has so many great points to make. So let me introduce you again to activist and author Shane Claiborne. Without a doubt, one of the biggest challenges in an election season, uh, especially, is for Christians, for us to misplace our hope 
right? And to put our hope in a person or a party who we think is going to solve all the problems in the world, right? And, and yet, one of the most radical things about the early Christians is that they put all of their hope in Christ. And literally, that's why they were accused of insurrection, uh, was because they were proclaiming Jesus was king. It would be as radical as saying Jesus is commander-in-chief. Jesus is my president. You know, uh, When the, the early Christians said Jesus is Lord, they were also declaring Caesar is not. So this is about where our faith lies. As the old hymn says, my, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. All other ground is sinking sand. So I think, you know, as Christians, we have to be able to passionately say, my hope is not in the donkey of the Democrats or the elephant of the GOP. My hope is in Jesus, in, in the Lamb of God. I'm not looking for a Savior this election year. I'm, I've found the Savior. If we remember nothing else as we go to the polls or do whatever we're going to do this election season let's remember that that we are not in need of a savior we are not going to vote for somebody who's going to radically make our lives in our area of faith any better that will happen or it won't happen i have no idea i could see it going both ways whoever gets elected this is not an election about our faith at all and so let's keep that in mind as we go to the polls keep in mind this that god throughout history has overcome a lot of things god throughout history has shown bright in the midst of very difficult situations and he has shown bright even when the political arena hasn't been very good. <laughs> and I would say that's kind of where we're at. I'm not too optimistic about either candidate, but I am super optimistic, extremely optimistic about God moving in our culture going forward. I think we are in a time right now of mourning, and I'm so excited because what happens after lament, if you look through the Bible, what happens after lament is always something beautiful and something wonderful. So we can take this time to lament. We can take this time to be upset, sad, whatever those emotions that you're feeling are. And we don't have to put savior status on any candidate that's running for office. We can let God have that all by himself and we can trust him all by himself to be able to do the work that he's going to do on this earth through us. Now, let's get specific. I asked Shane because I've been in this situation before. I've been in situations and... To be honest, I've had this thought with this election that because I am not pro either candidate, at least not in a really large scope, it's really easy to want to just opt out. It's really easy to say, I'm just going to sit this one out because I just don't feel great about either side of the ticket this year. And so I asked Shane about that, not because I think he's got the end-all be-all answer, but I knew that he would have a great perspective on it, mostly because I really value what he had to say in his book, Jesus for President. I think the challenge is that for many people, that means disengaging. You know, that, that like, this is just politics. Why would a Christian be involved in politics? Like, we want to be involved in the weightier matters of things, like the saving of souls, getting people into heaven. And um, 
the challenge I would offer on this is that Jesus wasn't just concerned with getting people into heaven. When he talks about the kingdom of God, it's about transforming the world from what it is to what God wants it to be, the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. As he talks about and teaches and tells stories, he's talking about widows and orphans and day laborers and unjust judges. He's talking about the real stuff, vineyard workers, stuff going on in the world around him and the implications of what it means to follow him, sell what you have and give it to the poor, love your enemies, right? The word of all of this stuff, I mean, it's, it's powerful. So in one sense, a gospel that is just personal and about individually saving souls falls short of the gospel that is also about transforming the world. Now, I think we have to be careful of the opposite too, that a, a gospel that's just social and political, that doesn't have a God who is personal and healing the wounds of our sins and the, the sins of our past, like that, that falls short too. But one of the ways I, I'm suggesting that people might think about this election year is that when you vote, it's one of the ways that we have an opportunity to exercise a certain amount of power. We can all debate how much power that is, but by opting out, that has real consequences on other people. And I think that uh, one way of thinking about voting is what does it mean to use my vote to alleviate the suffering of other people, to stand in solidarity with those who Jesus called the least of these. And I believe that immigration is at stake. How, When we welcome the immigrant, the refugee, the foreigner, we are welcoming Jesus. That's what he said. That's how important some of these things are, right? So, you know, I, I think like if you have a hard time thinking about voting for someone, think about voting for the poor. Think about voting for our immigrant brothers and sisters. Think about voting for Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and those who have been killed in our streets. I mean, uh, so this is a chance for us to make a decision that, that I think, you know, we can think, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? on November 3rd. And for me, it means voting for love, voting out racism and fear and all those things that stand against love. And so I, I certainly am concerned about voting out Trump. And that's not because I'm a Democrat. It's because I love Jesus. And I look at the Sermon on the Mount and the things that Jesus said, and I see so many contradictions in the current you know, direction of our country. So, But, you know, I, I think of voting kind of as damage control, harm reduction. <laughs> and I've been, you know, some people have said that's pretty cynical. And I, I actually think it's more faithful and consistent to like our, our history is that I do want to harness the principalities and powers. And I believe that Donald Trump has emboldened and surfaced some of the deepest principalities and powers and fears and fragility that we see in our country. And, and literally one of the things that we have to stand on is the promise that perfect love casteth out fear. And I think our, our nation kind of has a choice between love and fear. And when fear is a compelling force behind our policies, we're all in trouble. And when love, you know, to imagine what does it look like to form immigration policy where love and compassion is driving us. No one's saying we don't need any order to things, but like, how can we welcome people well? You know, I think those are great questions that are at stake right now. We live in America and America has a way of being extremely selfish in everything that we do and stand for. You could look at any part of our culture and say, oh, that's the, the American dream is selfish. The American dream is a selfish dream. It's one that's focused on me and what I'm going to get. So when we come to an election season, 
we are going to have the thought go through our mind of based on who gets elected, how is that going to affect me? And that's just a real thought. We don't have to try to say that it's not. All of us are thinking it on some level. I know for entrepreneurs in the world, there's a there's a fear, there's a worry that if there's a Democrat in office, that that's going to negatively affect their business. I'm an entrepreneur. I understand that. I get it. But that is not why we were put here on this earth. We were not put here on this earth to care for ourselves. We are put here on this earth to bring the kingdom of God down to earth and to serve everyone around us. And so I so appreciate Shane's perspective on that, that when we go to the polls, when we do whatever we're going to do, let's do it not for selfish reasons, but whatever that reason is, let it be a reason that's not just about you. When I go to the polls, I want to go there with my mind completely and totally set on the other. Now, one question I've been hearing a lot is the question of, well, was Jesus political? Was Jesus political? And that's a weighty question. But I also think it's a question that does not have a clear-cut answer. Yeah, so I mean, I think we've got to like get beyond the surfacey stuff and really dive into like what what these words mean, right? Like the word political has a lot, just like the word justice. You know, there's some people that use the word justice and they're saying we need justice for the victims. We need to kill somebody, you know. And so I think we've got to unpack those. And I mean, with justice, the biblical notion of justice is connected to righteousness. It's not just about what did they do wrong and what punishment do they deserve. It's about what harm was done, what wounds were inflicted, and how do we heal those wounds. And when it comes to politics, the word polis means the citizens. It means the people. Polis is where we get the word city, right? So like... uh, cosmopolitan, the world city. We think of Minneapolis, you know, or these city of polis is about how do we live together as people? So it's impossible to uphold the great commandment of Jesus of loving my neighbor as myself and then to ignore the policies that affect our neighbors. So I, I think that we, we care about immigration reform because we're trying to welcome the immigrant as Jesus wants us to. We care about gun violence because it is cutting short the lives of so many people. Um, So I think those policies affect people. And it's always been true that many Christians have said, don't talk about that from the pulpit. They told Dr. King that. Don't talk about racism from the pulpit because that's political. Right, and so Christians would still say, you know, don't talk about the death penalty or gun violence or you know immigration from the pulpit because that's political. And what I would say to that, except for abortion, you can talk about that from the pulpit or sexuality, right? Those, those are not political. But I, I think what we can say is like the gospel has radical political implications. Politicians are not exempt. The prophets all through the scripture call out for leaders to care for the poor, to welcome the stranger. Like these things that these things that we're talking about, no one is exempt from that. Donald Trump and Bill Barr and Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, they're going to be judged by Matthew 25 too, where Jesus, you know, all of us stand before God and Jesus said, did you welcome me when I was an immigrant? Did you, when I needed health care, did you take care of me, right? Did, when I was hungry, did you make sure I had food? So the real like test for our society is not how the Dow Jones is doing 
but how the least of these are doing, how the most vulnerable people in our society are doing. And so I think that's really one of the questions that needs to reorient all of us as we think about politics is how do we advocate for those who are most vulnerable uh, in our society? And a lot of these things are not about left and right. They're about right and wrong. And when we center Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount and the things that he said, that should be, you know, our, our really defining uh, moral compass. Uh, and that's why, like, man, I have such a, such a problem with the things that are happening in this administration right now. I believe that God's grace is big and can heal. I think Donald Trump needs Jesus, uh, right? But right now, we don't need Donald Trump to be leading this country. I mean, his life looks more like the seven deadly sins than the fruits of the Spirit. And that matters to me. I believe that matters to God. And it should matter to every Christian, you know, as we go in is what does it mean to keep our primary allegiance and focus on Jesus? And to me, that also means like, I want to care about the things that Jesus cared about. And uh, as my friend Reverend Barber says, when we take our eyes off Jesus, we end up talking a lot about things Jesus didn't talk too much about. And we don't talk about the things that Jesus talked a whole lot about. So we need to go back to Jesus, you know, and read that again and allow that to kind of uh, inform our political imagination, not just during election year, but I think every year, because we, we don't just make a difference one day every four years or two years on election day for Christians. Seeking first the kingdom of God is our vocation every day. Wow, such a great reminder. And this election, this is just what's going on right now. But the things that we stand for as followers of Christ, this is an everyday way to live. Early believers were called followers of the way. There's a way to live. And that way of living is to live in the way that Jesus lived. And that's what we have to do every single day. So November 3rd is going to come and go. And what's going to happen is what's going to happen what will determine the future of our society and of our country is the way that we live out each and every single day. Part of what's difficult is that there's not a party that's going to fully embody the things that I think, or whoever we are, that they're not going to fully capture everything that we feel as Christians, right? That's why my friend Tony Campolo says you never want to fully mix your faith with a political party. Uh, because it's like mixing ice cream and cow manure. It doesn't mess up the manure, but it sure messes up the ice cream, right? So we need to like keep our eyes and our faith in the center. But as we do that, I think um, it means that we can challenge uh, the inconsistencies in parties. And I've been doing that. You know, I've, I've said I wish that some of my friends on the left uh, cared more about life before birth, you know, and abortion. I wish we had a better conversation on abortion. The Democratic Party used to be talking about uh, abortion being legal, safe, and rare, and working together to make it rarer and rarer, grieving every time an abortion is needed. I mean, such a heavy weight that we should feel. And on the other hand, like the Republican Party has become so uh, infatuated with this one issue that they're ignoring uh, a lot of other issues and they are the obstacles to life on a lot of, lot of these other pro-life issues. You know, the elephant in the room too is I think there's a racial fault line and that, that has to be noted. That, that's the backdrop of some of this these conversations is that while it's often 
white evangelicalism that becomes the focus and that, you know, 80 plus percent of white evangelicals that support Trump. What's true as you look at the larger landscape of Christianity in America, 80 percent of non-white Christians do not support Trump. And that's why it's so important, I think, to have a purview that's bigger than just the dominant white culture of evangelicalism and what you know white evangelicalism some of the loudest voices of christianity in our country have not been the most faithful and beautiful voices so i think there's a whole nother thing happening in our country and i am pumped to be a part of it you know what we're calling red letter christians you know but we're trying to amplify the voices of jesus and justice and to celebrate pastors like reverend barber down in north carolina and tracy blackman and ferguson and our, the McBride brothers out west and, you know, uh, uh, Leslie Callahan in Philly. And, you know, there's just so many incredible leaders that just have a better theology and a better version of Christianity than what I grew up with. Because literally the same people that led me to Jesus have led us to Donald Trump. That's something that we've got to reckon with. And, and like I said, I think that Trump's, it's bigger than Trump. It's been said that Trump didn't change America. He revealed America. And I think that's true. I think it's also true that Trump didn't change Christianity. He revealed Christianity and particularly put a spotlight on the many holes uh, in our theology for white evangelicalism. So we got, we got to do a better job at that, man. Man, special thanks to Shane Claiborne for all of his wisdom. Can't thank him enough. Make sure you read all of his books right now, especially Jesus for President, but check out everything that he's ever written and read it because it is so thought-provoking. You don't have to agree with everything that he says, but it will definitely make you think. So I've got a challenge for all of us. As you go to the polls next week, this coming week, bring your Bible along with you. Just throw it in the car or put it in your backpack if you're walking. And then open your Bible up before you walk into wherever you're going to vote. And so if you're voting from home, just do this from home. But before you actually cast your vote, just open your Bibles up to the book of Matthew and then go to chapter 5 and read the first part of the Sermon on the Mount. It says this, it says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And as you read that portion of the Sermon on the Mount, just let that sink in for a bit and let that define 
what you choose to do. And that will, without a doubt, cause some of you to vote for opposing sides. But that's just where you are. And that's the conviction that you need to take into the polling place that you go to. Go in there strong. Go in there with your convictions. But go in there with love. Go in there with humility. Go in there focused on not yourself, but the other. Go in there with your eyes completely set, not on a political issue, but on Jesus, who is your Savior. And then let that inform you. And then you can walk out of there. Whatever you've decided, you can walk out of there feeling as if right or wrong, whatever, that you did it for the right reason. Your heart was right. There is no right or wrong. I don't think there's a right or wrong. You're going to choose who you're going to choose. I'm going to choose who I'm going to choose. We as a country are going to decide who's going to be our president. And then we're just going to deal with it. And then we're going to move forward and love people as we go. When Jesus was on this earth, what he did is he would just meet needs as people came to him. He would see a blind person. He would see the woman with the issue of blood. He would see Zacchaeus up in the tree. And what he would do is he would stop whatever he was doing and he would tend to them and he would meet their needs and he would speak with them. That is what I think. That is what's going to make our world better. If we respond like Jesus did to the people that come in front of us. Let's do our due diligence politically. Let's do the best we can there. But at the end of the day, let's put our stake and our hope, not in a political party, not in a presidency, not in a country, but let's put our hope firmly in our faith, firmly in God, firmly in the belief that God is in control. However you want to look at that, some way, some shape, some form, God's in control. And let's trust him through the midst of this. Let's trust him through all of this, through the good and through the bad. It's been worse than this, friends. It's been better than this as well. So let's love each other well, and let's take Jesus' words to heart as we go to the polling places. You can find more about Shane Claiborne at shaneclaiborne.com. I'll put some direct links to both that website and his resources in the show notes of this episode. Of course, if you want to support Jesus Never Ran, please just hit that five-star rating on your iTunes if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. You can also write a review, subscribe to this podcast. That's a great way just to help get in front of as many people as possible because these conversations matter. They matter, they matter, they matter, and we're not having them enough. So I can't thank you enough for listening. And of course, next week, we're just going to respond. I don't have any guests lined up for next week, although man, we got some good ones coming up. But next week, I'm just going to respond to whatever happened on November 3rd because the next podcast after this one will come out on November 4th. When I wake up on November 4th, I'm just going to get in front of this microphone, push play, see what happens, and put that out as quickly as I can that morning. And I'm not going to have any answers, but I hope that I have some perspective. So until then, thanks for listening and keep walking.